Hallelujah. Are you glad to be in the house of God? Okay. All right. Turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 17. We are going to read from verse 10 all the way to 21. Matthew 17 from verse number 10 all the way to 21. And his disciples asked him saying, why then do the scribes say Elijah must come first? And Jesus answered and said to them, indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you, Elijah has already, has come already, and they did not know him. But did to, but I say to you, Elijah has come already, and they did not know him. But did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. And Jesus, then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire, often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long will I, shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and he came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, If you have faith as a master seed, indeed you will Say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Hallelujah. Amen. But I want us to read verse 17 together. Verse 17. Can we read verse 17, all of us together? Give me a little bit of volume, please. Ready, go. Hallelujah. I mean, by my understanding, I don't know whether you, you agree with me, but my, my understanding of this particular verse, Jesus was addressing his followers. I mean, the context of this text is, uh, they had been, the three had gone with him to the Mount of Transfiguration, and they were coming down. And when they were coming, the 12 were already at the bottom of the, the mountain. The nine were already at the bottom of the, the, the mountain, and the three had gone with him. And the three asked intimate questions about Elijah's coming and all that. He was, he was explaining to them. And as they came down, they they encountered this man who had an issue. And the disciples said, we had tried to heal the boy, but we couldn't. And he says, oh, faithless generation. Faithless and perverse generation. So my, by my reckoning, he was talking to his disciples. 
These are the people who had left all and followed him. These are the people who had been with him when the voice spoke to him at the baptism. When they, they, Jesus had done all the miracles, they were there. They saw it. But somehow, at a point, they were faithless. Amen. We've been talking about faithlessness, isn't it? We started last week. And I said to you that one of the main reasons or one of the things that brings faithlessness is the spirit of familiarity. Amen. When you become too familiar, you lose the awe. And when you lose the awe, you become faithless. Hallelujah. Some people are, are faithless in the presence of God because they've been around the presence of God for a long time. Some are faithless in the, in the face of the, the man of God because they've been around the man of God for a long time. They've seen him hungry. They've seen him have a diarrhea. They've seen him do all sorts of things. And for that reason, they lose their awe or the mystery around him is lost. Amen. And, and uh, faithlessness, I was saying last week, is something that can happen to all of us. For instance, we can have a lot of faith in God in other places, in some places of our lives. But in other places, we are faithless. In the area of finances, you are faithless. In the area of, of maybe health, when your health is challenged, you, you forget that he's a healer. But when you are well, you can tell somebody that God heals. Hallelujah. In, in, in Luke chapter 18, I was telling you the, the other day, Jesus taught on the parable of, uh, of prayer, isn't it? That men always ought to pray and not to faint. And verse 8, he said that, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, would he find such faith on earth? Will he really find faith on earth? And this was prayer, which means that it will get to the point where believers or Christians will stop praying because we won't have faith in prayer. Or we'll do the prayer that everybody can see. But in the quietness of our lives, in the quietness of our, our closet, there won't be any prayer going on because we are faithless where God, uh, God is concerned. When we come to church, because everybody's looking, we'll pray. Am I talking to somebody? Prayer is our profession of faith. That there is a God who hears our petition through Jesus when we pray. And prayer is also our saying that our God doesn't only hear, but he answers. Hallelujah. Prayer is saying that I believe in God. I believe in the power of God. Because anything that you can do for yourself, you don't pray about it. You do it. You don't pray for you go and have your bath. If the food is in front of you, you just say a simple prayer and eat. But you don't pray that, Lord, as I'm going to eat, don't let the food pass through my windpipe and choke. No, no, you don't pray those type of prayer. You just bless the food and eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah, but... But you see, it gets to a point where we even forget to pray. Because our faith in God becomes very little. 
Amen. We've been, generally, we've been talking about faith. And I said to you that to really understand faith, can you put my picture back? To, to understand faith, we have to really look at the opposite. Why do we need to understand faith? We need to understand faith because as Christians, our, our roots, our real roots is in faith. Amen. Our real roots is in faith. Can you put my picture back, please? You see that the modern day Christian is all about the green and the red. We are about miracles. We are about testimonies. We are about how God delivered us. How our mother-in-law died because we prayed a prayer. How the, the demons in our mother's house and our father's house have been killed. We, we, we are all about all that. But we forget that what makes us have this tree is not the green and the red, but it's the gray underneath. Hallelujah. That's why every serious Christian must understand faith and faith, what faith really is. Because we can easily follow, can easily be in church, go back and forth and have nothing, no faith. But the Bible said the just shall live by what? Faith. Our bloodstream as believers is faith in God. Habakkuk 2.4, uh, Hebrews 10.35, the just shall live by faith. For anyone that comes to God must first know that he is. And that he is a rewarder. Hallelujah. If he is, you cannot see him. The, uh, Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We are not seeing it with our naked eyes. It is not physical, but we have the hope and we believe that he is. Amen. In, in, in uh, Jesus says something. I think it's in Matthew, Matthew 14 or Matthew 17. Say that unless you be converted and be like a child. Unless you be converted and be, look for the verse for me. Unless you be converted as a child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Because the way a child believes is different from the way an adult believes. When you say to a three-year-old, I'll buy you an airplane, they believe it. And they say, my father is going to buy me an airplane. But even when they get to six, seven years old, and they see how you got to the cash point and nothing was coming, and you say, you buy them, sorry, 183. Unless you have that childlike faith to believe as he says, they take the word literally. A child takes the word literally. But you see, when you grow, you become, the more you grow, the more faithless you become. In the same way, when you become born again, you have like a baby Christian, you have a lot of faith in God. But the more you mature, just like the, the physical uh, baby, the more you mature, the less faith you have. Because you prayed a certain prayer and God didn't answer. 
Because the way you are expecting God to answer, that's not how he answered. God, help me to pass this test. And he, God didn't help you to pass the test. And so God didn't answer. But you see, you were, you, your driving test, you were praying, God, help me to pass the test. And God knew that if you pass the test, by Friday you'll be in a fatal accident and die. And for him to preserve you, he answered your prayer, but not the way you expected. So you say, God didn't answer my prayer. So that steals a little bit of your faith. Then you begin to, it chips, those little things chip on your faith. Chip on your faith. Then it's like, you say the things, but you don't really believe. You, you, you go through the motions, but you don't believe. Because you don't think that he really does what he says he does. Am I talking to somebody? Until, until, until we get to a place where we are, we are reminded we can easily be in Christ and be dead. Hallelujah. That is why we need to be reminded all the time about our faith. And how we must never ever lose our faith in God. I gave you an exercise. If you say you're a believer and you believe in God, the exercise is very simple. For the benefit of those who haven't been here since we started talking about faith, can you tell me what the last thing, the last six months, the last thing that you can say, God gave me this when I prayed for it. You didn't do any connection. You didn't work for it. You didn't pay for it. You prayed, believed God, and it happened. The science students couldn't pass. <laughs> they, you see, then you, you see yourself trying to intellectualize and trying to analyze. No, 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 no. See, it's very simple. When was the last time you had something that you got from God? You see, as a Christian, you must, that side of your life must be very active. Where you believe God for things. You believe God. You see, God says that we should try him. Trying him means that try him in your faith. God is not afraid of a test. But you don't try him. When was the last time you tried him? That was the exam. And then we, most, most, most people fail. Most people failed in this place. No, the accident passed. The science students failed. No, the accident. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's move on. So today I'm not talking about faith. I'm talking about faithlessness. Okay, let me give you a definition. A definition. Do you want definition? Faithlessness is the failure to adhere to the promise, obligations, or allegiance. Failure to adhere to the promises, the obligations, or allegiance of the word or in the word. Failure to adhere to the promises, the obligations, and the allegiance in the word. I'll give you a good example of an area we have 
we are very faithless. And that is our tight pain. We will do shabada, we will do all those type of things. But when it comes to pain of tight, you see that our, our tongues disappear. Which means that we are faithless in that area. When he says that the liberal soul shall be made fat and is more blessed to give than to receive. We are looking for receiving than giving. Because really we don't have faith in the word. That is faithlessness, isn't it? Are you, are you okay? A faithless person is someone who is disloyal or betrays an allegiance. Disloyal staff are faithless staff. Okay. Hey, today you are very quiet. Why? You've gone into Sunday. Now, it looks like the, the Sunday is coming. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, okay, all right. Uh, okay, all right. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> okay. So let me give you a few a few observations. My observation on faithlessness. My observation. Uh, have you have you got the definition? Okay. My observation is that faithlessness is a subtle weakness that overcomes us periodically. It's a subtle weakness. This is my observation of faith. You see, if you say that you've never been faithless, then you're not truthful to yourself. Are you with me? It's like a snake. It creeps up on you. It doesn't pounce. Because when it's coming like this, you can see it. And you can do something about it. But it is... Subtle. You can think, you see, you can have faith in a lot of things, but then you, there are some areas that you don't have faith. And it creeps up on you. And it becomes a culture. For instance, a culture to put coins in the offering bag and use big money in the supermarket. It's become a culture. But it started by faithlessness. Uh, you see, I lost, I lost my church. I lost my church there. Uh, I lost my church. Let me look for them. <laughs> my church members are lost. God, help me. <laughs> I lost my church members. Let me go and look for them. Faithlessness is a subtle weakness that overcomes us periodically. You can have faith in God in one area and be totally faithless in another area. And I've given you an example of a, it can easily become a culture, a subculture. Yeah, where as soon as you come to church, it's the chamber of coins. Being like that. You, you know, in your purse, the chamber of coins. Yeah, I, I call that place the chamber of coins. 
It is different. Use one hand to collect it. And then you have the place where the big boys and big girls are sitting, where you pull. But, but, but as soon as I say, let's pay our offering, you go to a chamber of coins. Because in a very subtle way, you believe that anytime you give money out, you have lost. It's a loss. And you don't believe in the word which says that the liberal soul shall be made fat. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. For with the measure that you meet withal, is the same measure that will be given back to you. If you thought that was true, you know, that, that scripture, that scripture, Luke 10, Luke 10, 38, that, that, that scripture, that scripture is, is saying that with the shovel that you, you give out, is the same shovel that will be given to you in return. With the teaspoon that you use, it's the same teaspoon. Is it Luke 10, 38 or 36? Look for it for me. So, if you're, you are using a teaspoon, a coin, then your blessing will come in in coins. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. 638. What did I say? 638. If you use a shovel, you are going to get a shovel blessing in return. But you see, because collectively we become faithless in that area. When was the last time you expected somebody to come and bless you with some money that you haven't worked for? I'm asking a question. Now you're, nobody's looking at me. <laughs> Eesh, I've lost my people. <laughs> Will a man rob God? Yet have you robbed me in this, in this uh, uh, generation? And they, they said, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithe and in offering. Now bring in all your tithe and offerings so that there'll be meat in my house. And prove me herewith, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. If he's going to pour out a blessing, my question is, when was the last time you expected a blessing to be poured out from heaven? That is how come you use the chamber of coins when it comes to giving. Because even though he says it, even though he says it, we don't have faith in it. Anyway, let me move on. I'm just giving you my, my observations on it. And then, any area left unchecked easily develops this weakness of faithlessness. For instance, if not coming to church becomes something you do once and then you feel very bad when you did it. How many know what I'm talking? You did it once and you felt very bad because you sat at home. You didn't, 
you felt uneasy. You felt uneasy. Then you did it again. Then it wasn't as bad as before. Then you did it again. Then it's, it's almost becoming normal. Then you did it, and then it's like, oh, now you forget that today is Sunday. You forget that today is Wednesday because it's now crept in, and now you have no faith in getting up to go to the house of God. If you leave it unchecked, it just creeps up. Faithlessness is very subtle. That's why we must give the devil no place in any area. But it can creep up. Amen. Prayerlessness. Faithlessness. Will people believe enough to pray? Do you have a set time you pray? Do you have your own personal time you pray? Or as and when? See, prayer is like having a meeting. Every important person meets regularly. In fact, at a certain level of, uh, a certain level of any, any job, any vocation, majority of your day's work is spent on meetings or in meetings isn't that right so if you have if you are working in the common floor you never have meetings you have meetings once a blue moon when they are about to sack you or they are about to give you a warning letter or they are about to promote you that is when you have a meeting Am I losing you or I'm winning you back? Yeah. But you see, when you get to a certain level, you go to work. As soon as you get to work, there are meetings and meetings lined up waiting for you because you are, you are, you are a very important person, so you need meetings. In the same way, when you're in a common floor member area of Christianity, you never have meetings. But the higher you go, the more scheduled meetings you must have with God. Are, are you with me? Yeah, you must have a scheduled meeting. Yeah, a scheduled meeting from 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. There is one meeting. From this to this, there's another meeting. From this to this, there's another meeting. The meeting we do at 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. is different from the meeting we do in the morning. Are you with me? Because in at the midnight hour, it is about fighting. It's about casting and it's warfare time. That's the meeting. See, if you see a, a, a very important person like the manager, the CEO, the director, he has a long uh, diary. Sometimes somebody's job is to maintain the diary of the big person. Because the big person hasn't got time to even maintain his own diary. Because his level of importance is determined by the number of meetings. So my question to you is that, are you? Let me leave it there. <laughs> uh, you see, this type of message, you won't hear it in the charismatic church these days. You won't hear this type of message in the title. It's all about the blessings. It's all about the top of the tree. You understand? And not the roots. Jesus came to teach us about the roots. 
Don't ride on somebody's faith. It's like there's a long queue waiting for the pastor to pray for them and, and give them uh, what you call revelation and prophecy. What about you developing your own relationship with God? Having your own diary with God? Unfortunately, if you come to this church, that is what you're going to hear. If you don't want it, I'll show you three churches right on the street. You can go and find one. Because I believe that Jesus was very, very, very succinct. And Jesus was very clear when he was teaching us that, listen, everybody from the day the, 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 uh, was the veil was torn, we don't need to go to a high priest. We all have access, equal access. Why should I go and queue? For somebody to tell me. Faithlessness can be disguised in some many ways, in so many ways, as we saw in Gideon. How many remember Gideon? Gideon was, was giving us what? A lot of intelligent questions. How many remember? Last week we were looking at Gideon. He was giving the angel intelligent questions. I'm the least of the least of the least. How can you, if God is with us, how come God has moved to our enemies? How come, it's, it's all those type of questions is proving your faithlessness. It's, it sounds intellectual, but it's just faithlessness. I tell you, most time you have convention miracles uh, is either the new believers who get healed and get uh, blessed or those who don't know much. But the so-called experienced Christians, they are dead in our belief. We have seen this before. He's going to do this. He's going to say, he'll call her, he'll, he'll sing a song after the song, you call this person, you look at you, prophesy, you call this person, pour oil, you dance, 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 and fall down. You, you can see sometimes when you're doing how people are chatting or walking around, like they don't. That as soon as they start, you see people walking, people on their phone in the corridor, pacing up and down, because it's like they are not, they don't believe that anything will happen. I pray that we will change. Hallelujah. Faithlessness is doubting what God said in his word. Sometimes we doubt. And the doubt is not verbal. We don't verbalize it. But we act it. When was the last time you acted something that you didn't say, but you acted in faithlessness? Faithlessness is doubting what God said in his word. Not by saying it, but by acting it. I gave you an example of tithe and offering. If you don't pay offerings, you don't, you don't pay tithe, you don't give offerings, you are faithless in kingdom economics. And you see, God is such a gentleman that if you close that door, he won't open it for you. So you see some people who are very, very, very powerful in they can pray for the sick to be healed, they can prophesy and everything, but their finances is totally in a shambles. 
Because they have closed that area and God leaves that area closed. There are some people that are very, very powerful, they can give. They can, their area is very open. But the area of healing, totally closed. And God will leave it closed. Are you okay? Uh, I don't know whether, the way you guys have gone quiet today, <laughs> I'm not sure whether, I can change the message and preach one powerful message. Oh, I can preach a very powerful, encouraging message right now. It's your move. It's your move. And Jericho was straightly shut up. Nobody went out. Nobody came in. And the Lord moved. I can preach that message. We we'll all be jumping. It's, it's easy. Easy. I've been doing this work for a while, so I, I know I can shake you right now. But you see, we have to stop the concept. We have to stop the concept and become serious. It's time to get serious. (laughs) (laughs) Hebrews 10.35. Hebrews 10.35. Do not therefore find, fling away your faithless condition. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Amen. But the Amplified says that do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and a glorious compensation of reward. Don't abandon your commitment to the Lord. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm going to give you a, a test. Are you ready for a test? So I'm going to give you a test to prove whether you have, you have faith or you are faithless. <laughs> I'm afraid to give you that test. It's okay. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Ways in which faithlessness can be seen. Ways in which faithlessness can be seen in your life. Ways in which you can see that you're faithless. You don't have faith. Number one is when you turn away from God and from the word of God. Have you not seen powerful Christians when they are in trouble, they are running around. They go to the Babalao, and they go to the Sangoma, and they go to the Jujuman. They throw all their word and their Christianity somewhere, and they go to somebody who has no idea what they are even saying. Hallelujah. 
There are some people who are in church, but they have their own personal juju man. He's a backup. <laughs> in case God fails. There are some of us, we are sitting here, our parents have our names in the, some Sangoma place. All we have to do is dial 999. They are going there to go and consult on our behalf. Am I telling you a story? The way you are behaving as if I'm saying something. I'm healing some people. I know what I'm talking about. See, you need to stop all that. If God is God, let him be God in your life. Hallelujah. Let him be God. In every circumstance. In Romans 8, it says that what shall separate us from the love of God? Persecution shouldn't separate you from what you know to be true. Hallelujah. Hebrews 3, 12 says that, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil, are unbelieving, turning away from the living God. Never ever turn away from the living God. Beware, brethren, lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Don't depart from the living God. Don't allow anybody to persuade you to depart. Hallelujah. Do you know that people may not agree with your faith, but they respect you for what you believe? They may not agree, but everybody respects somebody who believes in something. If you say you believe in God, believe in God. You know, if somebody came here right now with something around his, his, his midriff and he goes, Allah wa kubari. We all live here right now. We don't agree with him, but we respect him for what he believes. <laughs> See, when those uh, ISIS young boys got up and they started killing themselves, the whole world sat up to listen to them. How come the whole world just sat up to listen to Christians? Because really, what we say we believe, we really don't believe. We use our mouth to say, but our heart doesn't fo don't follow what we are saying. That's why a few young boys and girls say, put something around them. They are going to die. They know they are going to die. And they are not afraid to die. And they are coming. The whole world sat up. The presidents who don't talk to each other started talking to each other. We better, we better set up. You know, they were fighting. Two presidents were fighting each other. When they saw, they say, hey, you know, let's postpone our fight. Let's combine forces and fight these people after we'll come back and continue our fight. Hallelujah. Let's not abandon the gospel of grace. Galatians 1.6. 
don't become like people who go back to their vomit. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who has called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Now the gospel is a gospel of materialism. That is what we hear in church now. But you know the gospel is a gospel of sacrifice. Not the gospel of receiving. It says that anyone that comes unto me must take up his cross. Follow me. You deny yourself, take up, you take up your cross, you deny yourself and follow me. Because the gospel is a gospel of sacrifice. Not a gospel of receiving, but the charismatic Pentecostal, charismatic shatter, aita, baita, tongue talking. We have changed the gospel. We have made a gospel of blessings. You know, another way faithlessness is seen is when we are entangled with the world. You can see that in the messages that is preached in church. It's all entangled in the world. The emphasis is on, on blessing, promotion, gaining, receiving, being on, ahead, being on top, being above. Winning. Give you our names. Winners. Giants. <laughs> Overcomers. That is the name of our churches, isn't it? It's all about overcoming. Winning. El Shaddai. Victory. Grace. Power. Deliverance. It is all it is all the gospel of the world. Nobody will tell you, I'm telling you. We have become entangled with the world. The prophecies we hear is about promotion. It's about taking us forward, giving us advantage. This is never a, go, a prophecy of holiness. Prophecy you. I am sending you to India to become no, to become a missionary in a village in India. See, you see, she's not receiving it. <laughs> she said, I hear. <laughs> see, she's not receiving it. <laughs> receiving. No, no, no. If you are sending us to, you know, some Beijing, you are sending us to China, you are sending us to some nice place, who will go? But where is Afghanistan? India. I mean, what are you talking about? Even Kenya doesn't want to go, then Atiyagi will go. No, no, no.
Second Peter two twenty. And the people escape from wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then get up, get tangled up, and enslaved by sin again. They are worse off than before. I'm reading a New Living Translation. After having escaped the world, we come to church and they preach us back into the world of sin. That's how come today people sin in church and it's comfortable. There are people who are in church and they are sleeping with other people's husbands. And it's okay. They say, eh, 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 Pastor, just want you to pray. You know, he's, he's been telling me that the wife has been uh, torn in his flesh. So I am the answer to his secret prayer. Pastor, I want you to join your faith with my faith. As the word of God says, if two shall agree, Pastor, if we touch concerning any matter, like the man leaving his wife or the woman running away, Pastor, now to give lotto numbers. That's the gospel of the world. The gospel of the world. After we have escaped. We have now been enslaved into the gospel of the world through the preaching we hear in church. It's all about winning. Do you know that for you to win, somebody has lost? If all of us are winning, who are the ones losing? He said, we shall be the head. If you are the head, somebody has to be in the neck. Somebody has to be the leg. Somebody has to be the toe. Why is your head just walking by itself? <laughs> uh, verse 21. It would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Holiness is fast disappearing in church. We don't talk about it anymore. It's not popular. Yeah, if you want your church to empty out, do a series on holiness. You see, if you have been in this job for a while, you know, when you want to sift through the church, you preach a certain message, the church will, you cleanse your church right now. Then you get the, the remnants. Then you can start. If you preach a certain message, the whole place will be full. It's like, look, any message about blessing, about, you know, talking about, uh, they are the popular ones, the ones that are viewed the most. Any message on holiness, righteousness, sanctification, nobody views those things. The gospel is being changed and diluted. 
we are being enslaved back to the world. So now it's comfortable to be sinful and be in the house of God and not have any, uh, you know, when you are sitting in church and you're feeling guilty, that thing, most of us don't know it anymore. Go for prayer meeting. If you have not been holy, uh, a prophecy will come right now and you know that this one is me. And everybody will know it's you. We had this, this pastor who used to lead prayer. He called Pastor Nat. Come. Before it be, then we are in a circle. Then everybody's holding hands. So you can't run away. Everybody's holding hands, and then he's in the middle of the circle looking. He will pick you out right now. No, 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 no. And he's very sharp. He'll pick you out, and it's real. Yeah, he'll pick you out. You, last night. <laughs> You are praying a lot. So as you are entering the, the church, you are praying for forgiveness of sins. You are, the blood should wash everything before you enter. So that they don't, the, the, the spirit doesn't show what you have been up to. Stand. Person is coming straight from sinning. Right into the house of God. No problem. If he climbed the, the pulpit to go and sing, It is because we are losing our faith in the word, in the presence of God, in the Holy Spirit being here. And the Holy Spirit, if you are not sensitive, you just if you close the door, he just leaves the door closed. He never budges in. It's only when you open it that he comes through. If you close it, he just stays away. Like have the experiment. Close an area and see whether you come there. You will never come in. Hallelujah. Let me give you quickly two or three causes of faithlessness and then I think I've given you the first one. It's false teaching. 2 Timothy 2, 2, 17 to 18. This kind of talk spreads like cancer. It is in the case of Himaos and Plato's. They have left the path of truth, claiming that they resurrected, the resurrection and of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. 2 Timothy 2, 17, 18. Galatians 4, 8 to 11. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, should I say now that God knows you, why do you go, want to go back again and become slaves once more? 
to the weak and useless spiritual principles in, of this world. See how this uh, New Living Translation says it's weak, weak and useless spiritual principles of this world. The, the messages that is being preached is weak and useless spiritual principles, which is worldly that is being preached to us, turning all of us faithless. You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days and months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 3. Number two, persecution and trials. Poverty makes us tend to silly gospel, worldly gospel. Isn't it true? Majority of the people go to all these funny, funny uh, prophets and uh, uh, whatever churches. They are going because of their stomach. Isn't it? Going because they want lots lot of numbers. Because they are in debt. Hallelujah. It's poverty that will make you go and chew grass. Because the man of God says go and chew grass. There was a pastor in South Africa. He made his church member. He's not far from where my church used to be. Chewing grass. Make the people go and they were chewing grass. Because when you are desperate, anything they tell you, you will do it. Let us not be too desperate. If God, you see, the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. But you see, the blessing of God is not rich money. It's not driving a new car. It's not living in a big house. No, 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 no. God blesses you and makes you okay. As for the food you eat, the clothing you wear, only there will be content. Food and raiment he will give you. It is this uh, spirit of competition trying to be, you know, about the Joneses and trying to, that is what you know, all this ostentatious type of lifestyle, that is what always puts us into trouble. But you see, God's blessing is peace of mind. The blessings of the Lord, they make us rich and they add no sorrow. Hello? Concerns for money and possession. It's also one cause of faithlessness. Everybody wants to live in a big house. Everybody wants to drive a fast car. You see, they have one thing I've never understood, especially in uh, African and American countries, how one person can own about seven cars, eight cars. I'm trying to understand it. I can't understand it. I, 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 I don't know whether... Somebody can help me. Me, I'm not a car person. For me, a car is 
from point A to point B safely. That is me. My understanding of a car is to be able to transport me from point A to point B safe. And if you have a car that is safe, car is not a shoe. We have a black one. We have one for weddings, one for Sunday, one for funerals, 